Here we go, season seven. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the Gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we are calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the new covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that the salvation, salvation. Was, salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. This is Messiah Matters number 302. Better late than never and better Facebook than nothing. My name is Caleb Hag. That's your cue, Rob. What up, all Facebook livers? <laughs> this is Rob drinking from a YeshuaShirts.com mug. And I thought we weren't going to do a show. Then I thought we were going to just record a show. And I'm happy to be here on Facebook Live with my friend Caleb. What's up? Yeah, normally we're on YouTube. So if this is confusing everyone, for some reason, my Wirecast would not connect to our YouTube stream today. So we finagled and finagled. And finally, we decided this might be cool. You know what? Why not just go to Facebook? Technically speaking, I think we could go Facebook and YouTube every single week at the same time. Let's do it. That's like double, double stomp, man. Double dose. A double dose of. Mm. It's like a double shot. Double shot. Of coffee. Well, of my Messiah matters coffee. How's it been, man? You know, we when we have technical troubles like that, we usually don't actually talk about what's been going on in life. It's more. Uh, this. Well, as we all know, we live in a, we're living in a real crazy time where the. You know, the shape of the ship here in the, in the United States is being, uh, what do you call it, tested. The ship's in a big I, storm I don't right think now. it's just the United States anymore. Well, it's the whole world, but but locally here. But, uh, yeah, wow. Have you guys like, had riots down in, uh, in Spokane? I, I think there were some broken windows. There was a lot of uh, peaceful, peaceful protests, mm-hmm. which I'm all for. And I think there were some broken windows or something. I don't think anybody's been hurt. I don't know if there's been any like looting, but there has been, I think, some physical damage to things. Um, 
and obviously, I, you know, personally, I, I think it's a different group of people. I don't think it's the, uh, you know, but we don't need to get into all that. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a time of, of, you know, what are our values, you know, individually in our relationships? Are we, are we trying to love our neighbor as ourself? Uh, are we buying into the rhetoric of hate and all that kind of stuff? Whew. How about you? What's what's it like in uh, the big Tacoma? Yeah, um, I'm trying to make a, a post Trump for people on YouTube. Um, you know, we've had some um, some marches here and whatnot. I haven't seen them because I'm kind of not in the central location of all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, we were, we've had to stay inside. Washington state is so on lockdown because of COVID-19, which all of a sudden no one cares about. Um, so my family has just kind of been inside a lot, which is really hard for us, but, uh, it is what it is. So yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, pray for the nation, I guess. Pray for... Here's the thing that I we have to remember, right? <clears throat> Is that throughout all of the... Uh, throughout all of the upheaval and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of people who are scared, including believers. You know, there's a lot of people who are scared about financial issues. There's a lot of people that are scared about political issues. There's a lot of people who are scared about racial issues. And as believers, we just need to remember that... that we're never in control. We, th- right. I think that in America, a lot of the time we have this false sense of security because we feel like we're in control of our lives. We're in control of what's going on. That's not true. God is sovereign over all. And, and so as believers, we need to remember and continue to tell others that uh, our hope is not in ourselves. It's not in the, you know, it's not, not the government. Not it's the, not the government. It's not the paycheck that you're bringing in from your job. It's not the, you know, it's not the AR-15 that you have hidden under the bed. Your your security comes from the Almighty, and uh, so I think that's what we need to take take uh, take away from a lot of this is that as believers we can't get too comfortable. Um, so comfortable, and what I mean by comfortable is just comfortable thinking that we we're in control because we're not. God's in control. All right. Um, well, hey, we're going to do this on Facebook today, and hopefully by next week we'll have YouTube figured out. Be a part of this conversation, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That is not a uh, – we will not answer that. You can't get on the air like that. Call us. We won't answer. Call us. We won't answer. It's an answering machine. You can call us. You can tell us how much you hate us, love us, uh, talk about theological issues, whatever you want to do. Um, you can also send us emails, chag at torahresource.com. It's chag at torahresource.com. Thank you to all of our uh, executive and associate producers and also to all of our supporters. You can uh, support this show for as little as $5 a month. You can do that by going to our producer. Our main producer is torahresource.com. There's all sorts of wonderful free stuff. We just started a new podcast, by the way, for those who might not know, on Torah Resource. It's called, are you ready for it? The Messianic Podcast. Um, and it's mainly uh, snippets from my father's teachings and um, lectures and those kind of things. So I would highly encourage everyone, go check it out. You can check it out on TorahResource.com. Okay. Well, with all of that said, let's jump into this. You know, uh, last, let's think about this. Last week we talked about 
uh, and you can find this on YouTube. Our last, um, you, you can find our, our our last show, which was three oh one. And uh, what we talk what we talked about was is the gospel different according to who uh, you're preaching it to. Now, some might say yes in terms of the way that it is presented. So, for instance, um, you know, if you're talking to a Mormon, you might present differently than if you're talking to an atheist. Okay, granted. Um, but the question really is whether or not the gospel changes. And this all comes from some upheaval over a uh, Israeli uh, TV station uh, signing a seven-year contract <clears throat> with a with a show. Shalana TV was going to present the gospel in Hebrew to uh, the nation of Israel. And this actually, surprisingly, got a lot of pushback. And it got a lot of pushback because there were people who said, no, 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 you can't present the gospel to the Jews without the covenant. And what they meant by that is, you know, the, the standard traditional Christian gospel of uh, believe God and and it'll be reckoned to you as righteousness. That's not what they're talking about. They're actually talking about after that is given, then all of a sudden what comes is this idea of you don't need to keep the Torah anymore. Now, um, we're, we believe that the Torah should be kept by Jews and Gentiles alike. So that is not, um, I, I understand where people are coming from, but I wanted to follow this up because somebody called uh, yesterday I've actually somebody who listens to this show and and uh, I've had some really really good conversations with recently. I like those kind of conversations where somebody calls and I like as I'm trying to talk about these things I'm actually learning a lot as well. And uh, anyway, so um this gentleman called and he said you didn't you never really gave any answers. You know, what's the answer to all this? And it really made me think, well, there is an answer to this. There's a good answer to this. And the answer is that there is one gospel, and that gospel is not, you know, become part of the covenant and keep the covenant. It's not, you know, it's not that you're a Jew, so you're already in the covenant. It's not, um, you know, Jews and Gentiles are saved in different ways. No. What is the gospel? If we just look in the scriptures, the gospel is simple. Repent and turn. That's the gospel message. And, you know, if Shalano TV is going to bring that, if the, you know, uh, the Franciscan monks are going to bring that, the gospel is repent and turn for the day of the Lord is at hand. In other words, God is, God in our midst is here. Yeshua has come. He has come to earth. He has died. He has risen. He has ascended. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father which means that his sacrifice has been accepted. That's the message. What comes after that is sanctification. Now, I'm not saying that sanctification is not part of our walk with God. It certainly is, but that's not the gospel message. The gospel message, if we look in, now, certainly the the apostles and, and Paul, they come back to communities and they exhort people to live correctly, right? So does Yeshua. But ultimately, the, the gospel message is, I, I mean, Paul tells us directly what the gospel message is. He tells us in Galatians 3 that the gospel was preached to Abraham. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So that's the gospel. And then how do they present that gospel? Repent and turn. So if Shalana TV is going to um, say repent and turn, it's not going to be met with. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the people who are pushing against 
you know, Shalani TV are saying, oh, well, no, 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 the, the Jews aren't going to accept that. The Jews aren't going to accept it anyway. I mean, it's prophesied that the Jews are not, I mean, as a nation, as a whole, the Jews are not going to accept the gospel until the, until the Messiah turns their hearts. They're going to be offended. That doesn't mean we shouldn't give them the gospel. But the idea that all of a sudden we're going to change how we present it or whatever, and, and there's going to be open arms in Israel. Oh, I'm sorry. We missed it this whole time. We thought, you know, like, oh, we thought you were saying, uh, you know, this, but really you were saying this. Okay, now I'll accept Yeshua. Now I think that Yeshua, that God uh, came in the form of a man, that Yeshua is God. And that he died for my sins. That I'm sorry, this is a pipe dream. The only thing that's going to that's going to change that mindset is, in fact, the Holy Spirit changing the heart of the people. This is prophesied, and then they will say, "Right." <laughs> so, I mean, um, the more I think about this, the more I think, you know. And I asked the person who called. I said, "Do you think that Dr. Michael Brown now those who have?" not listen to this show before. I certainly believe that uh, that I have differences with uh, Dr. Michael Brown. He holds to Arminian theology. I hold to Calvinistic theology. I believe that the Torah should be kept by Jew and Gentile alike. He believes that the Torah has been done away with for Jew and Gentile alike. Um, and when, he, when we say done away with, he, he would say certain parts of it have been fulfilled and therefore don't need to be kept. Um, so I understand that there is uh, there is a difference here, but ultimately the question is, is, is Michael Do is Dr. Michael Brown presenting a false gospel? And I think that the answer is no, he's presenting the true gospel if he's saying, and I believe he is saying, repent and turn. Yeshua has died for the sins of the elect. What do you think, Rob? Well, let me take a sip of my water here and reflect on what you've been talking about. I think that the message of repentance, we know from the prophets in ancient Israel, was just as much for the priests as it was for the people. Right. What I mean, what the reason I just, it just sounds like a, maybe a simple observation, but one idea that I have initial with the preaching of the gospel is what am I repenting of? So the, the prerequisite is the presence of God's revealed law, that, that God's, God has revealed his law, and that repentance is for a person who, who to acknowledge that their incongruity with God's expressed will and the turn lashuv or teshuvah is to turn back and confess God you are true your words are are pure you are holy I have sinned I have transgressed your your will hmm. and I uh, cry out for your mercy and forgiveness because I deserve, uh, you know, which I don't deserve, right? The idea of God's grace is it, it's, we don't, it's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. Right. So 
my difficulty there is in the follow-up. And this, this is that transition from what we call justification into sanctification. Um, if, if Dr. Michael Brown, like what's, if the gospel, and again, I haven't researched, I, I have his book, Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus, one sure. of the volumes. I, I think it's brilliantly <clears throat> written. Big fan of his work there. Um, and some of others of his other stuff I, I really like. But I don't know what his gospel for the Jews would look like unless it is. But that's just it, is that it, I think I, I think that Dr. Michael Brown is consistent across the board. Whereas, you're saying he's at least as consistent, yeah. I, I, whereas I think that the people who are uh, opposing Shalana TV, and don't get me wrong, I've I've fought uh, Ron Cantor on on uh, one law theology as well. Maybe fight is a is a uh, an ill chosen term, but um, the point is is that these guys at least are consistent in their in their gospel. On the other side, on the flip side, you have two. Um, two people, two different groups that I've seen so far coming up against these guys. One is saying, look, the Torah is, needs to be kept by the Jews as an identity marker, but not for the Gentiles. So it's a, an exact reverse of what they're accusing Shalana TV of. In other words, it, it's exactly the reverse. So what, uh, Get, go okay. ahead, fin finish your thought. Well, while I'm trying to think through this, if, if I was, let's say I was a, or someone was a Baptist, a Baptist missionary in Israel, let's say. Okay. And let's say they're native, native Israeli, they speak Hebrew, and they but they're, they, they're informed from the Baptist tradition mm -hmm. and their convictions are along. And I know even Baptist is going to be too broad probably for people's comfort, but the, here, I, I think it'll serve my point. If someone's a, an Israeli Jewish Baptist preacher and they're preaching someone to repent, they're not going to say repent and then send them to the Pentecostal messianics down the street. They're going to, they're going to say, come be, you know, come in this flock, come in this, uh, uh, what do you call it? Sheepfold. Sure. Right. They're not going to, in the same way that, that a person wouldn't, a Jehovah's Witness, even if, if we go even that far out and say, they're not going to say, repent and go, you know, the Mormons will teach you everything you need to know, right? Sure. So is there any, here's the difference. In ancient Israel, when the when the prophet Jeremiah or Isaiah in, in the Solomon's Temple era or Malachi in the early Second Temple era, and they're, you know, confronting the priests concerning their sin, they're not, there's not a, there's not a denominationalism or a sectarianism that, that Malachi is going to send because it's understood within the context of Israel, it's understood that God's Torah is revealed. So if it, it's, maybe I'm not making my, my point correctly. Well, here, here's an example. Here's an example because we were just reading this on Shabbat. So in Matthew's gospel, John the Baptist is a Cohen, right? He's the son of a Cohen firstborn. He's out in the wilderness of Judea or at the Jordan River. And it says all these people from all over the land are coming out and they're repenting. They're confessing their sins and they're being immersed in the Jordan River. Then it says the Pharisees and Sadducees come from Jerusalem to be immersed. 
It doesn't say they came and repented or confessed their sin. It just says they came out to be immersed. And he's like, stop. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he said, and then he says that even now the ax is at the root of the tree. Any tree that does not bear fruit is going to be lopped down and thrown into the fire. And he says, therefore, bear uh, bring forth fruit, meat of repentance. And he says, don't even think to say to, about yourself. And he's and now I think in Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew 3, it's Pharisees and Sadducees. It's two different sects. I'm going to have to look it up now because I don't want to make a big point on something I'm wrong about. The point is that he says, don't even think to say we have Abraham as our father. Don't I don't want to hear it. That's what John the Baptist is telling them. Don't don't tell me you're children of Abraham. Sure. Because God can raise up children of Abraham even from these stones. So my question, what what is John the Baptist saying to them? And and what of that preaching retains over into our um, I just looked it up, Matthew 3. Yeah, I was right. Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay, so in other words, John the Baptist doesn't say, oh, you Pharisees, you know, you're actually closer. Sadducees, you're screwed up because you don't even believe in a resurrection. Like, he doesn't get into that. He says it. it yeah, and, but that but that kind of proves my point in, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, okay. That, go talk. Well, I mean, basically, you have cross denominations fighting against each other right now. Now, last week I argued that the uh, those who you know those who are taking a bloodline superiority gospel, such as and I will name names here, such as Kinzer and others, you know they they're falling into this idea that you know even even Mark Biltz uh, you know took this bloodline superiority gospel. Biltz suggested that since the Jews believe that in in Yod Hey Vav Hey, and since Yeshua is given a name above all names, which is Yod Hey Vav Hey, the Jews therefore believe in Yeshua even though they curse him and are saved. Okay, but that doesn't. But the Mormons believe in Jesus. Exa okay, fair enough. But my point is this: is that is that uh, does that mean it's the same Jesus? No, I mean, no, exactly. And my my point is is that I see this bloodline superiority as a much more false gospel than the guys in Shalanu TV who are coming forward and saying, repent and turn. Now, maybe okay, okay, so so what I'm hearing you say is that we're all flawed. None of us, none of us are going to do a perfect gospel preaching. But yeah, well, no, there's no. more, there's more, there's accuracy and then there's inaccuracy. If, or, we, if we preach the Bible, if we preach the word of God, we preach the true gospel. In other words, what is the, and this is what I'm saying, is when we look in the Bible, what is the gospel that is preached by Paul, by the apostles, by Peter, by, you know, all these guys, even by Yeshua, what is the gospel that is preached? Yeah, and John the Baptist. The, the gospel message is turn, repent. That's the gospel message. And what I see all these factions doing, you know, trying to trying to split this all apart. Oh, don't give this gospel message. Don't give this gospel message. I mean, this is all of the stuff that comes after. And I agree that it's very important. But at the same time, now you're getting into, I mean, the you can't say to me, oh, well, you are you interpret the covenant differently than I do. And therefore, you shouldn't bring the gospel message to the Jews. This is nonsense. The fact of the matter is, is that we are believers and we are told to make disciples. And therefore, we should go 
to Jew and Gentile alike and say, repent and turn. That's the gospel message. And so I, go ahead. So the core, the core piece then is, well, here's the other thing. The, the other bit of gospel is, is, I think you said it earlier, but in this last snippet, is that Yeshua is a king. Yeshua is the reigning king, right? He's risen and, and uh, authorities in his hands and, you know, declaring his kingship. Uh, it, the, uh, the point here is that the Ruach HaKodesh works by the preaching, right? Because Paul says in Romans, is it Romans 10? He says, who will, unless, unless someone's, how are they going to hear? Right. How are they going to believe if they don't hear? Right. And if, how are they going to hear if no one preaches? And how is anybody going to preach unless someone's sent, right? And then he says, you know, how beautiful are the feet on the mountains of those preaching good news. He, he quotes Isaiah 51 there. But the picture is that it's in this preaching that the Holy Spirit does the work, does right. the conversion of the heart. And the persons, by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart, God is writing his Torah directly on the heart. Yes. It doesn't have to be, oh, you need to go learn the Torah of, according to the Chabad, or you need to go learn the Torah according to the Satmars or the or the, you know, whatever, or what, you know, whatever and, group it's not, it's not direction towards any yeah. particular sect. It is because it's, because it's not man who's, who's actually giving the Torah into the heart of the person. It's the Holy spirit. And, and then that conviction will work. And that's the, then this is the care, the difficult path of discipleship, but, it, but it's absolutely necessary is the, the protection of these new little sprouts from all the sectarian noise and poison and, you know, wolves in sheep clothing and stuff like that. I, I mean, yeah. Um, one of the things that, that really kind of struck me in my conversation with this gentleman too, is the, the idea that, you know, I know somebody who came to Christ at a Benny Hinn revival. I know somebody else. I know several people who came to Christ through through Billy Graham. And the person asked me, do you think that the gospel message that was given, just say this prayer and you're good? You know, Paul Washer says that this has sent more people to hell than, than it's saved. And I, I tend to agree with him because that's a false gospel. Just say this one prayer and you're good. You can do anything. Don't worry about it after that. You're saved. That's not that's not repentance, right? So that that right there is a false gospel. However, look at what the Holy Spirit has done. He has used even these people and this message, which is false, to bring people into the truth of the word. And what did what did the Holy Spirit do after they were saved? Now they're saved, and the Holy Spirit works in them to turn them away from the falsehood that they got brought in through, and has brought them to truth. So the idea, and I'm not saying that that excuses uh, preaching of a false gospel. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, you just go preach any gospel you want to. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that this idea that, oh, you, you, when you take the gospel to the, to the Jews, you have to say, uh, you know, you need to do it like, within modern day, uh, you know, uh, Orthodox Judaism. This is nonsense. I don't need to tell a person, go ahead and, and keep the, 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 the Talmud and the Shulchan Aruch 
and, uh, and, and just add Jesus in and you're going to be okay. That, I mean, that's ridiculous. And the more I think about it, the more ridiculous it, it becomes. That's the point. Okay, let's move on. We have something that actually ties into this conversation a little bit. This was left on one of our YouTube videos. And uh, Rob has not heard this, by the way. So um, <clears throat> this is this is going to be a, a new, this is going to be a, <laughs> a surprise for him. Rick writes in, and I, I love his YouTube handle. I won't give his last name, but it says Rick is always right. That's his YouTube handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. He says, I'm trying to figure this out. When Israel split and scattered, leaving Judah and the tribe of Benjamin and the Levites, the other tribes scattered across Europe. Okay, let's pause right there. Um, I agree that that initially they scattered across Europe, but they scattered all over the place, right? And they stayed in Israel, too. Anyway, Europe, they went to... Does he mean Europe like... Yeah, I, I mean, to say that they went, that they were scattered across Europe is, is kind of a, this, I, I have to stop here and say, what do you mean by this? Well, because it's the Assyrians, which, which are Mesopotamia, that displaced them. Right. Um, I Instantaneously, when I hear this, I, I feel two-house theology coming on. Anyway, what's his, where does he go with that? Okay, let's keep going. He says, and Jesus said, he's only here for the lost sheep. I take that as the lost tribe. So if I don't know my ancestor tree, and let's say one of my ancestors was from one of the lost tribes, and I'm a Christian, and when the Bible talks about the time of Jacob's troubles, does that include me? The Bible does talk about Israel and Judah as being separate. There's Israel and then there's the Jews. I disagree with that, but I think that Israel and the Jews are most oftentimes synonymous. In other words, both terms mean the same thing. Uh, He goes on. So how would one know if they're a Gentile or a descendant from one of the lost tribes? So that's the bottom line question. That's the bottom line question. Do you want my... I'll let you... I've talked a lot. You go ahead. You start. Um... Or do you say want the me last to... question? Say the, say the last question. I, 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 do you want me to give you time to process and I'll start no, talking? No, that's okay. It's it's how do I know? How, so how, how would, do I know my identity? How, yeah, how would one know if they're a Gentile or a descendant from one of the lost tribes? My answer is you don't. I would presume you're a Gentile. Right. Presume you're not Israelite. That's what I would do. If you're asking that question, I would say presume you're not. What are your alternatives? Your alternatives are to do a pick your tribe that you feel, you know, go pray about it and or something like that. Others, well, I think I need to do a DNA test to see how much, you know, different ethnic, you know, strands I have in my in my family line. But those but all those are um, those are really earthly endeavors. Because the, the idea of, of the whole concept of new creation is that God reckons you as his child right. in Yeshua. You're reckoned as, as children of God, as sons of God. And, and, and that is um, contingent, I mean, on, on being in Yeshua. So 
And, and so that's our core identity. That's our core personhood. It's not independent of, of our discipleship to Yeshua. You know, um, you know I, I can understand, you know, back in the 90s, you know, with the whole who is Israel thing with the Wootens, you know, I, you know, I read that book, you know, I used to, I was real passionate about that book. The idea is looking to try to place myself in biblical prophetic history. And it's, it's understandable, right? It's like, okay, so now I believe in God and the Bible's most important thing to me now in terms of a book, it's a holy book and I want to study it. I want to understand God's ways. So then to start reading the Bible and say, well, where do I fit? How do I fit in biblical prophecy personally? And that's a, that's a question I think a person can, you can spend your life trying to research and solve that and never have an answer other than something really you're just imagining and that you can't really actually demonstrate or prove. Uh, or prove. On the other hand, you can just accept your new creation uh, position in Yeshua and grow from there. And, and so that's, that's where I would steer people is to say, if you're asking that kind of question, just make the presumption that you're just a good old, you know, Gentile from the nations. I mean, that the, you've been grafted in. The, this is, to me, this is not the right question to be asking, but, but, we'll, but it, it, somebody asked it, so we need to talk about it. And a lot of people have asked it. It's not, just, it's not just this guy. The fact of the matter is, is that ultimately, it doesn't really matter. Now, people are going to say, oh, but Paul says, what, what benefit then is it to, is to be a Jew? Okay, fair enough. And I, I take that to mean to be part of, He's sentence of Jacob, not the southern tribes. And the answer is, is that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. In other words, they hold the, they hold the covenants. But, but the point is, is that we are covenant members, Jew and Gentile alike. And this is one of the downfalls, I've, major downfalls I've seen within the Messianic movement and the Hebrew Roots movement is this idea of identity and bloodline identity. It, it, such an emphasis is put onto it. And the reason why is because within these movements, what people basically preach one way or the other, whether they come right out and say it or whether or not they try to hide it a little bit because they, they know it's they shouldn't be saying it, but they're going to say it anyway. The idea is, if I'm Jewish, I'm better than you. If I'm Jewish and you're a Gentile, I'm better than you. If I'm a descendant of Jacob and you're not, I'm better than you. And this, I mean... This really struck me when I was when we were debating against Itzhak Shapira uh, back and forth uh, via Facebook and, and email. He basically told both of us, "Well, you guys are Gentiles. You can't interpret the scripture. You don't know. You're a Gentile." In other words, he has the better a better ability to interpret the scriptures because he's Jewish. This is, I mean, ultimately, this is bloodline superiority, which is another word for racist. Um, and Paul, Paul speaks directly against this in, I mean, I'll go back to it time and time again, Ephesians two, you know, he says that we are all, um, fellow heirs, right? He says that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, freed nor slave. You know, I mean, the list goes on. 
I mean, he says, starting in verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the, the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. In other words, the fact of the matter is, is that we should view ourselves as covenant members. You know, I've said this many times as well. Within the Hebrew roots and messianic movements, yeah, I mean, you are hard-pressed to walk into any congregation and find somebody who doesn't doesn't know that they've got some kind of Jewish blood, you know, 15 generations back on a distant cousin's mother's brother's side. In other words, people are desperately trying to find this lineage, and the reason why is because they want to be seen as better. Or, or well, or it could be, that they feel they need to, that there's a legitimation. Yeah. They feel marginalized. Like without it. Yeah. Like without it, I'm, I'm not important to God unless, unless I'm part of the in group. I don't even that, think it's know, necessarily Paul, Paul writes toward, about that in, in Galatians. Even. I don't think it's even necessarily uh, in, in God's eyes. It's worrying about what man thinks. In other words, Oh, well, that's what I mean. They're not, they're more in, they're worried about, the perception right the, of uh, in this world rather than just trusting trusting god that's that's what it would seem to me and that and that fits with paul's letter of to galatians as well yeah i mean ultimately, so, so, ultimately i think that that when we look at the prophecies and when we look at what's going on in the in the end times Jew and Gentile come together. The nations and Israel come together as covenant members. They are still distinct from each other in terms of, that. I mean, if, if everyone became Jewish who was a believer, or if everyone is Jewish or, you know, part of Israel or whatever you want to say, descended from Jacob who is a believer, if everyone's like that, then it can't be all the nations that come and worship. The fact of the matter is, is that we Gentiles are fulfilling the b- biblical prophecy. Well, and then it goes to Yeshua's teaching, and it's recorded for us, like in Matthew 8, for example, with the centurion, right? The Roman centurion, obviously non-Israelite. Right. And actually a presence representing hostility to many Jews, because this is like Roman occupation of our land. And he's like, he tells Yeshua, you know, I'm not even worthy that you would even come under my roof. You just say the word. You know, right. know this. Right. And then, and Yeshua's like, man, you know, he tells his followers, I haven't seen this great faith even in Israel. And then what does he say? And I tell you, many will, in the kingdom of heaven, many will come from the east and the west and sit down and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob right. And the sons of, and sons of the kingdom will be cast out and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Right there. To me, that is a sufficient 
Yeshua's words are sufficient for me to accept that I don't need to solve the problem of tribal affiliation. He's he'll handle that if it to the degree that it needs to be addressed in the kingdom. All I see in the picture of Yeshua's words is this this messianic banquet where the three patriarchs are there and you've got everybody else. Right. That's but they're sons of the kingdom meaning which means some of their direct offspring that are not going to be there. That is Yeshua is training us to think in that way. Or like Paul uses the, the example of the olive tree. You know, Yeshua uses the picture in John 15 of the vine and the branches and the fruit. To me, these are the metaphors or the, the, the teaching um, uh, examples or pictures that are scriptural that are the ones that we're to attend to and and use those to help us understand those analogies to help us understand our place to try to get into the science of dna or right. the halakhic issue of who's truly a jew well if your father is if your father you know that's what the orthodox don't like about the reformers one of them or not, not reformers, sorry, reform Judaism, is that they uh, accept patrilineal descent as a definition of Jewish. If your dad's right. Jewish, you're Jewish. Whereas the Orthodox are like, no, it's only if your mother's Jewish, are you Jewish? So they, it, you know, before you even bring the language of the Brit and life in Yeshua's resurrection, you know, as, as forgiven and and, and new creations in him before we even bring that into the situation you also you already have in the in jewish world uh itself this kind of disputation of who's in and who's not and not only that then you have even more refined of uh, who's in and who's not when you get into the the more and more right um uh, ultra-Orthodox worlds and the and the various, uh, like the Hasidic dynasties, for example, right. you know, like it, it's, it does get into the political realm. And, and I don't think Yeshua wants us trying to use though what the world is doing to try to reason back and, and try to put on clothes, you know, from the world to try to see what fits best. I, I think we're to take his words, the words that are in scripture, specifically back to the Matthew 8 one, because it's such an easy one to remember and it's so powerful, to let that be good enough and to let it be okay that you, that, you know, there's things I don't know. Like, it, and I'm happy just saying, because I don't know, I'm just going to identify as a Gentile. Right. You know, I mean, that that's my thought. You know the other thing that that's brought up in this in this uh, question is the idea that Yeshua only came for the lost sheep of Israel, which he says, right? However, there's a flip in the biblical narrative. When Yeshua leaves, he says that he has to leave so that the Spirit will come. What does the Spirit come to do? Yeah, Pentecost. We just celebrated it. Exactly. There's a there's a, a, a you shall switch be that my flips. witnesses unto it, the even to the. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the and, earth. end of the earth, exactly. And the, and the point is, is that okay? Yes, Yeshua came only for the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, he came to to bring people 
uh, to, to accomplish the work even within covenant standards. To fulfill the covenant of in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, to take away the curse of the law, to fulfill the Davidic covenant. I mean, if we walk down the covenants, Yeshua comes to fulfill each one of the, the parts of these covenants that needs to be fulfilled. Now that that work is finished, now that he has ascended into heaven, and now that he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, he sends his spirit to do what? Go to all the nations. It's no longer to the lost sheep of Israel. It's to everyone. But even, but even, even in Yeshua's ministry, while it's true, he didn't send them to go to... Uh, he didn't even send them into the way of the Samaritans, really. Right. He, he, he didn't even send them to Samaritan houses, let alone Gentile houses. However, we see Samaritans, him interacting and Samaritans coming to faith, like in John 4, for example. Right. And we hear of, like we just talked about in Matthew 8 and in other places, we hear of Gentiles who believe. Even while Yeshua's ministry is not directly for them, it's like there's people are gleaning already. Right. <laughs> They're already gleaning from, from it, it, his presence, even though the gates hadn't been opened and God hadn't done the go, you know, yet. And, and I mean, Mike, Mike just said it perfectly. He just put up John ten sixteen. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. I mean, done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, uh, we got uh, we got about. So how will hey, that's? Oh, I'm glad Mike posted that. They will hear my voice. See, and this is in the Gospel of John. Remember, in, later in the prayer, he's like he's praying for those. He says not even for for the, the ones I'm sending, but those who will hear through them. Right. In other words, he's already praying for those who are going to hear his voice. Third, fourth, fifth. I mean, that's us, really. Right. That's even to our day. That's Yeshua is already interceding, praying for those who are going to hear and believe, not from directly from him, but through what the work of his laborers that he sends out. And uh, how can he be so confident that they're, that these third, fourth, fifths, all the way to our generation from his, from his ministry are going to hear his voice and believe? How can he be so confident? Because his prayers are always answered. There's an idea. They will hear my voice. Right. That's awesome. We you, there's so much there's so much assurance. Yeshua does not leave us feeling like in doubt of our place. Right. Yeshua does not leave us feeling like we don't know if God really loves us. He never leaves us feeling like like we're abandoned. His yeah. words are encouraging, edifying. They're very sobering and rightfully so. Of course, he says, "I'm, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life." You know, but but it's it, we have our assurance just by reading the scriptures. We learn if you if you if you read if you read it and you go, "Wow, I love Jesus. Right. I love Yeshua. He's my. I just." I want my whole life to just be about him. I want to learn everything I can. That is, that's good. That's good. If you're reading the gospel, you're like, oh, you know, I feel like I identify with these Sadducees. And 
you know, I think there is no resurrection. And I think this Jesus guy is, you know, well, there you go. There you, two people are reading the same words. Right. I think we should count the Omer like the Sadducees. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, yeah, I, I like, was wondering if you were going to go there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, we have one more thing that we can talk about. We got uh, about 11, 10 minutes and 30 seconds that we're going to, I mean, we're not held to anything. We can go as long as or as short as we want. There are no rules for there, us. There Caleb. are no rules. We're, we're, yes, we're, we're rogue. <laughs> we're going rogue. Okay. Um, basically, let's talk about this. This is controversial. Um, is this the... The, the temple yeah. at a rod thing. Yeah. I mean, oh. this is, this is controversial only because I don't want to, you know, I mean, my kids already have had these. Yeah. Anyway. Um, basically there's a bunch of pot that's been found on one of the, uh, one of the altars in, uh, in Israel. I'm going to throw this over to Rob and let him discuss, you know, he's the, he's the pot guy. No, okay, I'm, so I'm totally, okay. I'm totally, playing. <laughs> I'm totally playing. Basically. Well, here I'll post, I'll post, I'm sure people have seen it. I mean, I'll post it. I'll put this video. in our. I'll put this in your show notes too. Uh, that will be sent out later today. Okay. So the the idea is the headline here from this one link is. Uh, did it? Did it post? Yep. Okay. There it goes. Yeah. But uh, this is biblicalarchaeology.org, and the date is oh June third. That today's June third. Today. So this this was posted today. I was thinking it might have been yesterday. Marijuana found at ancient temple in Israel. Judahite shrine of Tel Arad from 8th century BC has residue of cannabis and of frankincense. Okay. Now, hang on just a sec. Right now, any believer who secretly is, is smoking pot or publicly doesn't, doesn't care, smoking pot on the side is rejoicing. But, but hold your tokes for a little while because I, th- I don't think it's that. I don't think it's what you think it is. Go ahead. Well, and then it it goes on. It's a short article, and there's more. There's other articles out there um, that you can see. Um, that the idea is that well, the last line: the laboratory analysis of the residues reveals plants that were present in the shrine in the eighth century BC, helping to enrich modern knowledge of the religious practices of the ancient Judahites. So it's weird because it's it doesn't use Judeans uses judahites um and i mean do we have idea, an author of this article i mean who, who well this is jonathan laden uh but but the uh there's a technical article you can click and read about it it uh, published in tel aviv um but the idea was that it that had frankincense or, or there was one that had marijuana mixed with dung and the dung is supposed to keep the burning at a lower temperature which they say optimizes the the hallucinogenic smoke rather than allow it burn really quickly it, it slows it so apparently it kind of uh smolders to and then the way they said the animal dung was probably used to heat the hashish dried resin of cannabis enabling its effects to spread among the worshipers. And then it says, this is the first known evidence of hallucinogenic substance found in the kingdom of Judah. Okay. So here's thing that we need to, and this might all be true. It, you know, I mean, I don't, this is, this might all be true. One of the articles, and I don't have the link here says, well, we look to uh, the Arad 
um, uh, temple structure. So Arad is in the way south Judean hills, almost into the Negev. There is an ancient fortress there that was an Israelite outpost in the eighth century BC and earlier. And it had an altar there. The strange things when excavators found it, they had, they found an altar as well as a little room that was like a Holy of Holies. And if you go and you chase down this article, you'll see pictures of the, they actually took these two little altars and this thing called a, a Matseva, a standing stone, Matseva, to Jerusalem and set it up. And then they actually have a, a replica at the actual site. And I had the great privilege last spring to be at Tel Arad with uh, uh, the Berkowitzes. And Ariel gave a great uh, explanation of the whole fortress and the temple or the worship area. Here's the thing that we need to remember is that, and this is something that none of the articles that I've seen about this resin have mentioned. And this is from the actual placard there at Tel Arad. It says there's a standing stone here, which symbolized the presence of the deity in the temple, which uh, Metzevaz is forbidden in the Torah. And then it says two small incense altars. And that's one of which had the, they found the frankincense um, re, uh, residue and the other had the cannabis and dung residue. Excavations, I continue here with the placard, excavations revealed that the standing stone and the altars had been buried. That is laid on their side and covered with soil and stones. This shows that the temple was intentionally shut down. Apparently, and, and this is a, a speculation, but it makes sense. Apparently following the concentration of worship in Jerusalem at the time of Hezekiah in the late eighth century. So the, the way that it's this archeological site at, at Tel Arad is presented in Israel today is that this, there was, there was a site of worship here, but it was destroyed probably under King Hezekiah because it was pagan. Right. So if that's true, <laughs> that would mean anybody that, that it's suspicious that it could be, if indeed this is cannabis mixed with manure, that could have been a Canaanite pra practice. Right. Along with the Metzeva, the standing stone and the two altars, let alone setting up a Holy of Holies outside of Jerusalem. It's right. all against the Torah. So it's no wonder that the archaeologists archaeologists find it and it and it's everything's tipped over and buried, meaning uh, it was seen as whatever was happening there was was false worship. Right. So unless unless they're unless they find you know and they're not going to find it the altar of incense from the temple itself right. with with residue of hashish, then you should not take this and project. Get make this idea that ancient worship of Yodhevave consisted of uh, of hashish smoking. Don't you know? read your hippie theology into uh, into the archaeology. Is basically what Rob's don't sprinkle saying. your what's that what's that? Quote? Oh man, I wish I had my my. Oh. <laughs> what are your the glitter you're smoking? Yeah, the yeah, glitter in the glitter. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. My point is this: is just to because I thought the same thing that people are going, oh, you know, because there's, you know, the it's at the Rastafarians, you know, and they have a they have an idea of Zion and Yah and all this stuff, of course, that's hijacked. It's not just that. The Breslovs, I mean, when I was in Israel, the Breslovs were known to partake. Oh, okay. Okay. So so there you have it. 
And so there could be people who see this, like Caleb, like you just said, as a legitimation. And I would, and I'm just saying, hold your horses on that uh, because it, it could be that it was viewed by King Hezekiah as pagan. So that that's all I wanted to share on that. Yep. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Um, let's see here. Well, I think that that's going to do it for us today. Um, this was kind of a fly by the seat of our pants show because we had so many technical issues. We didn't start until a half an hour afterwards. So I hope that everybody who wanted to see the show gets to see it. I, I mean, we still had, what, I think 18 people. Uh, at one point on Facebook, which is good for not advertising and, and uh, never being on Facebook Live before. So um, anyway, we'll be back next week. We'll try to get all of our technical issues worked out and we'll try to figure it out. I'm going to give you uh, ways to contact us one more time. If you want to, you can give us a call on our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegg at torahresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com dot com and of course go and visit torresource.com oh my all right well we hope that this conversation has done one thing at least and that is to glorify our great god and savior yeshua the messiah why well, because messiah matters 